0: Behind the Dreamers. I'm Jennifer Lodi and we are talking to the achievers, the creators, the magic makers, and the dreamers. These are our friends, these are your friends, and they are living the extraordinary. Well, I'm super excited about my guest today. This is going to be so much fun. and We are in a new studio today, which I think is a lot of fun because we're outside of my home studio. Yay! So we are here at One Winged Studios in the where we at? Farmer's Branch? Yeah, Farmer's Branch. So excited about that. We have a guest in studio. But before I welcome him on, we need to do a shout out to our sponsors. So today's episode is brought to you by Walt Mills Photography. If you are a creator needing post-production, consultation, or promotion, Walt is your guy. Whether short films, YouTube films, photography work, he can help you find a solution to match your needs. To learn more about Walt and his work, you're going to want to go to photosbywalt.com. And of course, we do want to give a shout out to our friend Jennifer Marcus at One Wing Studios. Check her out. She's amazing. Learning a lot about her. All right. So I'm excited about my guest today. and This is so much fun. So before I say this, because I know that my people that have been following me for a long time, they know that I'm all about holistic health. I'm all about holistic business. Anything that we can do is not put a Band-Aid on something. I'm excited about it. So I'm excited to have you here today. So for my guest, this is fun or my audience, I'm sorry, we have a board certified gastroenterologist. He's been in practice for over 19 years with a clinical focus on inflammatory bowel disease and irritable bowel syndrome. He said that he declared that his mission is to bridge the gap between medical and natural science. All right, so for over a decade, Dr. Kenneth Brown has been conducting clinical research for various pharmacologic companies. He recognized an unmet need for something natural that could help his IBS patients find real relief. After developing the only all-natural and clinically proven answer for IBS and bloating for over eight years, Atrantil launched in the summer of 2015. He continues his research in finding natural solutions based in science with the intent of providing affordable, effective solutions. He's also the co-host of the Gut Check Project podcast with his friend and colleague, Eric Rieger. C-R-N-A. So welcome to the show, Dr. Grant. I'm so excited to have
1: you. Well, today. thank you so much. And first of all, it was Jennifer, right? I want to, uh, I don't know if this was a compliment or an insult. As soon as she saw <laughs> me, she goes, I've seen your podcast. Why don't you have the George Sims beginner guide to podcast? She made me read the first few chapters before going live here. So uh, yeah, yeah, this we'll, is so uh, fun. We'll, yeah. s- we'll start right there. What did
0: you learn in that book? Anything
1: good? <laughs> um, yeah, learn to never address the, break the fourth wall and look at the person behind the camera. You know. <laughs> So that's chapter four <laughs> that's on
0: chapter that's three. Good. Hey, that's good. That's good. I like it. So um, I think this is fun because this is actually my gastroenterologist. So this is fun. I actually met him back in 2015. And it was funny because I was going to a GI doctor, that I didn't really care for very much. And I remember when I looked you up and I think at that time you were working with triathlete runners or something. And so we had talked about running and I, you know, I tell everybody that one of the things, because all of my stuff that I've had to deal with on my own digestion was really sparked. My knowledge was when you had started talking to me about SIBO, yeah. small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And so that kind of spawned all of my journey into researching about all of that. And then, you know, sugar causes problems in, in the body and all of that good stuff. So thank you for that. Yeah, it kind of opened the doors to a lot of good stuff. So I want to ask you kind of a fun question. I always like to ask this question, like, why medicine? What, what was the, what drew you to that in gastroenterology?
1: Oh, wow. Okay. So what drew me to medicine first, it's a, it's a, it's a little bit of a drawn out story, but the short answer is that I had a friend that I'm still friends with, his name's Junior. He, um, I've known him since I was four years old. He, unfortunately, him and his mother were severely burned when a water heater exploded and we were in eighth grade. So eighth grade summer, his mom was in the ICU. He was in Michigan at the time. And he called and said that they're going to release him because he's younger and he had skin grafts over everything. And so he uh, lived with me for a year. And so while we were doing that, I was changing his bandages. And then we met a great guy. His name is Leonard Woods, just died recently. But he showed up in the evening, said, my name is Leonard Woods. I'm a physical therapist. I hear that you have a young man that needs some help. And he came over and... We spent the next year and woody would rehab him and you know i just saw the, the care that somebody could do so i knew immediately i'm like okay this is making a huge difference in this kid's life my friend brother we've been together since we were four years old and i've got leonard woods who showed up on his own time after work and just demonstrated what it's like to actually give and make a difference so i'm like i'm gonna be a physical therapist all and so i ended up going to college interning with him and then he pulled me aside and said you need to go into medicine. You need to be a physician. He's like, i really, I'm impressed that you want to do this. And so then that's what kind of sparked healthcare and how I went into that. Junior, on the other hand, um, get rehabbed, ended up winning state shot put, playing football for Notre Dame, and then playing 12 years for the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, wow. And he was actually given a um, some major award for giving back because he spent a lot of his time in San Francisco 49ers uh, visiting children and kids that got burned yeah. and saying, this is what you can do when you, it, it gets better. So, you know, he said, I, you know, he rehab." So it was just a great example of what, you know, when people come together and care about each other. And so that's why I went into medicine. And then um, why I went into this particular field. At the University of Nebraska, you're supposed to decide if you're going to go into medicine or into surgery. And I want to be a surgeon. And when they do that, then they pretty much make your life miserable for three months to see if you actually want to be a surgeon. And I hated it. I didn't really like the people i was working with, so I went into medicine. And then one day when I was an intern, somebody was sick, puking up blood everywhere at the at the hospital. And so the guy had a variceal bleed. And a doctor, a local doctor here in Dallas, named Neville Fernandez, he was training ahead of me, so he was a fellow, he was walking in just calm, joking around. I mean, it's just chaos. Blood's everywhere. He goes... Ken, that's the smell of money. Come on! And I went, oh, these GI guys are pretty cool. I'm <laughs> gonna go into GI. So then, ever since then, that was whatever 25 years ago or something. So fits like a glove. So my stories started when I was in eighth grade.
0: Wow, and that's impressive. I always ask that question because I think that you know some people they know like from a very young age what they want to do, and then there's a lot of us that have no clue. Like you know, they go to school and they come out and they end up doing. Different things, and it becomes a very non-linear process. And even in what you've done, I mean, you've kind of expanded your practice. It's not just that. I mean, you've got a whole another side you're doing. You've got this podcast, and you've got this other work that you're doing. Your other product that you created, which I think um, kind of branches you out a little bit, even from just you know just traditional medicine. So
1: it's interesting you bring that up because in my particular field, when you make that commitment, yeah. you're just—it's a grind. Right. It's, it's this battle of attrition, and you don't really stop and think about it. You just I need to get through the next phase of this thing, then we need to get in here. And a lot of people that's where they become disillusioned because then it's the business of medicine, then it's you know running a practice. Yeah. Well, for me, what's really exciting is that now I'm like, where do I go from here? Now we've got you know another company, we've got this other research arm called KDMB Health, where we're able to really kind of experiment with things, and I feel like where I'm at is just beginning because. I did pharmaceutical research for so long, mm-hmm. about 10 years. I'm doing the actual with you know, these drug companies are paying me money, I'm seeing behind the curtain how this is working, how the protocols happen, yeah. how much money they're spending on this. And then that's when I figured out, well, what if we can find ways to do similar things naturally? Right. And now, just now, after developing outrontil, and now I'm meeting with scientists all over the world, and there are people doing incredible bench research showing how we can help people by using a combination of different things that are natural that you'll never hear about because Mm -hmm. nobody's promoting it. Nobody's funding the research. Nobody's doing any of that. And it's I think we're starting to turn the corner here on that. And we're starting to realize that possibly using natural products can be as effective. I had just this past October at the American College of Gastroenterology Uh, We had shipped like 200 cases of our product to Northwestern University, the uh, Northwestern University and the hospital associated with that. And they presented a study that we didn't pay for. They did it just on Atron-Teal and constipation and bloating. So then they did a poster and it showed positive results. So we went and met with the principal investigator, Dr. Brenner, and he goes, this is really exciting because we have a safe product that patients are taking already. And now we can start bringing some science to it. So I think that when you have a prestigious institution like that, yeah. acknowledging that there are natural treatments, yeah. this is starting to to sort of shift the tide a little bit.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I remember when I met you; you were that wasn't out yet. It was coming. Mm-hmm. I remember yeah. that, and I used it. It did work. I used it. I don't have too much trouble with that with bloating anymore, but I did use it. And it's it's interesting to me when we talk about this because I had a chiropractor come on my show. Uh, a few months ago, and he works with ball players, professional players, and we were talking about how when he went into chiropractic care, you know, went into school for that in the beginning, that there was just this idea that chiropractors and doctors just didn't even, like, you know, they're like, you can't talk to doctors, you know, because this is chiropractic care, and he said, he just... He never followed that. Like he works, he sends some of his clients back to see their doctors. If he knows this is something that this part I can't help you with, you need to go back to your doctor and talk to your doctor and has those relationships where he's built these with these doctors where they can go back and do that. So I think that I've always been about, I mean, I say I've always been, I have been for at least the last seven years. I've been in this idea of that there has to be this middle ground where holistic care can be done because there's got to be some preventative maintenance, right? Like some things that you can do to help prevent. The medicine has its place when you need it. You know, I would say I feel like for myself, if you need it, if you're having a heart attack, you need to go to the hospital, right? But when it comes to like digestive care and stuff like that, there's a lot of things you
2: can do, I think, outside of that too, to you help yourself.
1: Yeah, this whole process has sort of skewed me as somebody that was trained allopathic and then I did do pharmaceutical research and then yeah. got paid to do it, made pretty good money. So it's right. not like I'm being a hypocrite here. Right. But then when came up with this natural idea and it just ran into a brick wall and realizing that when I would go talk to my colleagues, they're like, oh, there's no science on it. I'm like, well, the science is right here. They're like, that's not a big enough study. And I'm like, oh, you mean there's not a drug rep showing up with a detailed piece, buying you lunch, telling you that this is the science. So I became very frustrated really quick and found out that um, nutritionists, dietitians, chiropractors were much more open to at least listening to it and going from there and gut health we're now realizing all health begins and ends in the gut mm-hmm. if you do not have a healthy gut you can't have a healthy body at all and we're now this is my big so my massively transformative goal <laughs> is to cure dementia before that mm,
2: yeah
1: because it's an epidemic yeah. and we now realize that gut health 10 to 20 years before bloating, for yeah. instance that's the canary in the shaft. We don't even realize that if you're having issues and you're bloated and when you eat, you feel that you don't feel good, you feel inflamed, that is inflammation in the gut. And what happens is that leads to intestinal permeability or leaky gut. And then in leaky gut, you have things like the shell of bacteria come through and your body reacts to it. We now know that that reaction sets off an inflammatory process that crosses the blood-brain barrier and when you look back at people that have dementia and you talk to the spouse, you're like, well, he started complaining about his gut about 15 years ago. Makes sense. And so I feel like that's a that's my... So when you say, where do you go from here? Yeah. So my path was really linear up to this point, And now it's branching in different yeah. ways. Yeah. But I feel like before I leave this earth, having that one thing, because as we sit here on this podcast, you're creating memories. Right. And I think that the greatest tragedy is to live a life and then have everything erased from
2: it. Yeah.
1: And then those around you watching that. Right. And so if that that one thing could be fixed, i currently have my mother-in-law who's struggling with some issues like that. My 83-year-old mom is just sharp as a tack and, and, you know, the the lifestyle differences are there. She's sort of embraced the Mediterranean diet early on. We discussed these things, you know, 20 years ago
0: so That's interesting. yeah no i've heard i have studied a lot on the gut health and the leaky gut and all that too so i did a lot of that because i did i i know I, I shared this i don't know if i shared this with you or not but in between 2000 and right after i met you probably 2017 2018 i went like about 24 months on a ketogenic diet i just went hardcore because i was trying to get off all my medicine medication which i was able to get off of all of that and this was all around the time when I was talking to you about the Atrium teal. I was studying. I actually had looked up a gal by the name of Maria Emmerich. She is a. She was kind of starting out as a ketogenic coach back then. She's mm-hmm. works with a lot of endurance runners now. Zach Bitter is one of the. Oh yeah, she had. Yeah, yeah. yeah. show. Um, and uh, she, I messaged her one day because I was kind of in a place where I eliminated everything. I'd taken gluten, all the things out of my diet, and I was like. I've got to find something like I can't do this any longer and so I just went cold turkey and did it and was able to get off all of my medications successfully within the 12 months that in you know, the first 12 months it took a little while because I think my body was so bad at that time to just heal and so I did a lot of research on you know leaky gut and all of that and permeability and all of that and, and, and the gut brain connection. so I'm I believe in all that stuff. And I talk about it all the time with people that I know and all my podcasts. That's why everybody that's following me, this is like no surprise to them because I'm always talking about this stuff. So I think what you're doing is awesome. So um, tell us a little bit about your podcast. I want to know about that. I know, but I know our audience is going to want to know a little bit about what's going on with that. Yeah. The fun in
1: that. So it kind of fell in my lap. Well, the way this started, um, we found a new digital radio station, satellite radio station, digital platform a bunch of people from the blaze had come over and it was cheap advertising somebody had said hey i got a friend over there you can you know it's a small audience but it's a very loyal audience and and so me and eric went there to the studio and it just hit it off with of the guys. and so they're like hey go on this next show here and then so i just spent five minutes we spent all day there and unfortunately one of the main people there that was running two different shows Got run over by a train like two days after we were there and so we got called by the studio manager said we now have three hours of airtime every thursday and i know that he would like you to have this it's unfortunate but we're kind of in a bind can you do this wow. and so eric was just like we can do this I'm yeah like, just show up and do a live show and that's how it started
2: okay. so it started as yeah. the
1: get check project but we were just trying to help this uh this digital radio station stay on their feet. And then um, ultimately they had to close that down. So we just kept it going. And it, it's, you know, our motto is just check your ego at the door because we're going to talk about just about anything.
0: Anything. And you guys do talk about it. It's a good show. It's funny because I think how these things, somebody asked me that one day, they're like, how did your podcast, you know, how did it start out? And when I go back and I think about it, I'm like, it was a friend of mine. We were in a parking lot and we were complaining about what we were doing in our businesses. And we were just at this like standstill. It's right before the pandemic, it was October <coughs> 2019. And we we're like, we should just start a podcast. We don't even know what do we know we're going to do? We're just going to start a podcast. And in two weeks, we launched it. We had no idea what we were doing. We showed up at Adventure X in a little room with like padding on the walls. Both of us were managing a computer, trying to go live and had no clue what we were doing. You know, but we all have to start somewhere, right?
1: So I have a patient who's a billionaire. He sold. Like several businesses. Mm-hmm. I actually grabbed him when I was thinking of the Altron idea, not understanding the business side of it or anything. Yeah. And I said, you know, and these these are how these serial entrepreneurs, not just serial entrepreneurs, but serial successful entrepreneurs think. Like once they, once they have success, they can make more success. Mm-hmm. And so he just was like, listen, I've seen a lot of doctors try this kind of stuff He goes, you're going to probably quote unquote piss it down your leg. He's like, let me just buy the idea off you let me take it over and do this and i was like well my thought was if this guy thinks it's worthy to just buy the idea and it would be like nominal money to him but at the time it would just get it off my hands and so i'm like okay so we started the company fast forward a couple years later i see him and he's like hey see your product run it's pretty awesome he goes you want to know why most businesses fail and i said lack of funding and he goes they never jump off the dock. Mm. And What you did is you just yeah. jumped off the dock.
2: Yeah, I do that a lot. Yeah,
1: <laughs> which is, yeah. sometimes you jump off and yeah. you're like, and you're, well, on your head. Yeah, and you're like, wow, <laughs> let's not do that again. Let's yeah. find a new dock. Yeah. But yeah. other times, you yeah. get out and you start swimming and yeah. you do whatever. And I love that because he's like, most people just never jump. Yeah. They wait and they wait and they wait. Because you could have sat there and gone, this is the pandemic. We're right. not going to do anything. Let's wait until it's better. Yeah. But you jump.
0: You yeah, know, you know what's interesting about that, too? I have two things to say about that. I only had one person during the pandemic that entire time not show up for a podcast. We were going into the studio, even when they closed Dallas down, I was driving into the studio. I kept it going, one person not show up the entire time. Everybody came, that one person. Uh, the other thing, I had a great mentor that I worked with, and we, he always, we talk about that, about toe dipping. Like, people would stick their toe in the water, and then they do nothing else, and you might just got to throw your body in the water, you know? So I think, yeah, I mean, sometimes I think if you're going to be, An entrepreneur, you sort of have to just have that dive in.
1: Like, you just. When did you become an entrepreneur? When did you go, oh, I'm definitely an entrepreneur?
0: When did I? Oh, 1997. It's been a long time. It was 2027. I guess. I was in Mary Kay for a long time. Oh, okay. So, I I was in there for 22 years and in leadership for 15 years. So, I've kind of been an entrepreneur. But I think, I've, I think you just, it's funny because I've started several things since then. Like I formed my LLC in 2018, and then I, I launched a book and re- did a podcast within two weeks of each other. I just made a decision we we're going to like throw the book out there, do the podcast, and see what happens. You know, I sort of had that philosophy though. Like we're just going to dive in, we'll, we'll deal with it. Yeah. It's a little crazy sometimes.
1: Well, I asked the question because I just now finally feel a little bit like I'm an entrepreneur, mm. and we're eight years into the company. Yeah. It's because. I, I'm part of this entrepreneur group and you right. go for meetings and what's really wild is there's people of all different levels. Yeah. But well, the one thing nobody does is brag and say right. Basically when you're having dinner with them or you're having a glass of wine, everybody talks about the landmines that they mm-hmm. stepped on yeah. and hope that you don't step on the same right. ones. Right. And so in the beginning it was like, oh, that's that's scary. And then now we've changed the leadership of the company. We had to completely turn it upside down. We had to just because it was not heading in the right direction, mm-hmm. and that was not easy. It was one of the hardest things that you have to do when you start with the team and you go, This team is not taking me yeah. where I need to go. Yeah. When we're talking about, you know, the mm-hmm. the head management, right? right. You gotta have this, these conversations, and that's when I'm like, Oh, now I'm an entrepreneur because this yeah. is really uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Well, and
0: that's the thing, you know, we start say that, you know, like, the people that get you to one place you're not the same people that get you to the next place right when like you start with these people and that's why i said you know i've had several people in this project with you know with, between the two podcasts and i'm i love them all we're still great friends but midway through we realized our visions weren't singular or they had different needs and weren't meshing with mine and so you know we had to part ways and so i think you just you have to have this. You know, my last one was fun because the, the last co-host I had on, I love her. I messaged her today and I was like, hey, I miss you. I haven't talked to you. We need to go to lunch. And, but, you know, I remember when she was leaving, I knew she was ready to go. Like I could just tell she needed to move on and she was afraid to tell me. And then she ended up sending me this really long email. And I was like, you didn't even need to do all that. All you had to do was say, hey, I just don't think this is for me right now. And I would have been like, okay, do your thing. fly.'" you know and so i we do you have to have those you pray for those moments when they recognize themselves and they act themselves
2: out but that doesn't always happen in, in the real life
1: you know? yeah and that's and what's what was so interesting is, is that all these people that i've met so many of them had a very similar thing yeah or my first two companies went belly up and, right. then, and you just go oh my gosh yeah this is this is once again it's a battle of attrition you just gotta stick it out like where we're at right now really kind of feel like our front is heading in the right yeah. really the right direction they've got leadership that's different we're new products we're launching in europe now we've got a manufacturing facility in spain and this is all going on like all at the same time and two years ago it's like what we're stuck
2: right what are we doing like, yeah. what, are, like
1: what are we doing i've got investors that we have to pay back i've got yeah. you know and it's this you don't realize how heavy it is it's all uh, you know what because i've seen i've had friends doing it but it's like you don't realize what kind of a bad relationship you're in until you're out of it yep and you're looking back on it
2: right right yeah
1: (laughs) and i didn't even realize you know how much it was actually affecting me it's like wow because you just want it to work so bad for so many different reasons the least of which is that i feel like we can help people and then you've got your friends and family that invested in you and then it's this thing that you realize that oh my gosh we've got 20-some people working for us. Now other people's lives depend on it. They're like yes. getting married and having kids. And, right. You know, that's the, uh, I think that was, I, I don't remember the book, somebody, I didn't even read it, but I think that's the history of the, the guy that started Home Depot. Oh. Where it was like his his loyalty was the fact that people moved. Yeah. He's like family, he's like these people, this is why we have to make it work.
0: Yeah, yeah. it gets yeah, it yeah it gets hard. I don't I, yeah. I studied a lot. I was studying like the the guy that did Uber and all of them. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of really good stories, but it gets it does. It gets back to when people are depending on you and you're trying to get that up and work. It's not about you anymore. It becomes about all the people. You still have your mission and your purpose and your passion, but now you've got other people that you have to include into that. And becomes a different game in entrepreneurship. It's definitely not for the faint of heart. That's for sure. I would say that
1: yeah i think that in my case it was i had i had this idea that had to come out yeah it was a product it was a novel product nobody had ever done it before we had patents on it you just have to do everything you can to get this thing out there because there's a lot of really good products that never really get off the ground due to a lot of different reasons but we just kept pumping it and i feel like we're finally going to be to the point where it's going to be big enough that we can start helping, you know, we've helped millions of people, but.
0: Yeah. I have a question for you. I I may be on that side of it because I always like to get into the mind of people that are, you know, that pushing past the limitations and keep doing it. Like, do you feel like there's any, was there any one person or maybe any one thing that you did that you feel like was instrumental in that drive to get it out? I mean, was there anybody like an influencer or was it just your pure tenacity to get this out and,
1: You know, we did. We did well. I did the clinical trials, okay. and so here I have a disease or I have a I have a symptom.
2: Yeah,
1: bloating and an irritable bowel. Right. That in my field, which is huge, which is twenty yes. percent of yes. the world population. Yeah. And the same conversation was being had. Mm. We're being trained where you come, I do an endoscopy and colonoscopy. Mm-hmm. You wake up, and I'm like Jennifer, great news.
2: Yeah,
1: everything's fine. You just had an irritable bowel.
2: Right,
1: and then. The next thing is, well, I still feel like crap. Right. What do I do? Right. And then you get offered antidepressants. Right. And so that we didn't have any real treatment. And so when I was doing the clinical trials on Zyfaxin, a guy named Mark Pimentel. Mark Pimentel was pivotal. I went to a dinner before Zyfaxin even began, early on, and he was just being paid to be a speaker. And he, him and I got to talking afterwards. He's like, I have animal models that show that irritable bowels actually caused my bacteria growing where it shouldn't be yeah. and i'm like really he goes yeah he goes, I, and this is way before anything was published so the whole concept was planted and i'm like wow and then he ran with it continues to run with it continues to be an innovator coming out with breath tests and doing things like that out of cedar sinai and that thing probably changed it direction because i just listened to somebody saying, I have a completely novel idea of why 20% of the population feels like this. Instead of saying that they're crazy, maybe we should start looking at it That this is a bacteria growing where it shouldn't be. And I guess if we're gonna talk about an influencer, that's probably the one that did it. And he did it based on animal models. And then that whole concept, him and I were talking, so I was now doing the clinical trials on Zyfaxan, but they were looking at it for irritable bowel with diarrhea and then he just said in passing it's unfortunate we'll never help the bloated constipated person because antibiotics don't work on the type of bacteria which is an archaea archaeobacter
2: yeah
1: and because those produce methane and i just went oh mm-hmm. and i'm from nebraska originally where i remember they were trying to mandate farmers put food products in the feed for cattle okay. to decrease the methane, methane production they were producing yeah mm-hmm. And I went, wow. And so that's where it all started. So Yeah,
2: that's interesting.
1: Yeah, so there's two times where that one person, Dr. Pimentel, who's really well-known in the field, said two, you know, two different things. One, I have this new idea. Two, we'll never be able to help this person. And I went, well, if we can help cows, yeah,
2: why can't we, we help
1: humans? Yeah, yeah. And so that's where it all started.
0: Okay, well, I think that the good thing here is that because I, I I've worked with different I've had to go to different doctors obviously very picky about my doctors and I don't like I'm not really good with narrow minded doctors because I'm just say we're not if we're not going to research and look into things and this is the only thing we're going to go on then I'm going to go
2: find another doctor so that is the
0: one thing I do like about you and then one of the reasons when I moved back in 2015 is that I recognized that you were researching things and not being okay this is the only thing we know and this is the only thing we're going to stick with let's look into other. Options. So, and I think things have come a long way, even since, I mean, you said that throughout this episode, things have come a long way. And so I think we are getting more into this idea of let's look at other
2: methods. Right? I think
1: we are into that idea. Yeah. But we just got done doing a whole series of podcasts mm-hmm. with um, the FLCCC frontline COVID right. doctors. And what we got into a discussion over and over again yeah. is that a lot of the physicians mm-hmm. are actually employed now.
2: Oh,
1: over 80% are
2: employed by a hospital
1: system. And they, the hospital system wants to make sure that things are done on a protocol because then it is predictable. It is a cost measuring thing and they can understand all that. So when you say that we're open to it, the other side of medicine is rapidly closing down on this because people are being trained in this environment that here's the protocol for this, here's the protocol for this. I got trained in the art of medicine. If it's not working, what kind of things can we use off-label here and there? It's just a common theme. Maybe I'm just... I'm just getting old enough where I can start saying that. They're not training the kids right these days.
0: Well, when... no, I think a lot of them are that way because I, you know, even when I would, when I was doing keto, you know, this was, I, this was back in 2017. It was before keto was really even being talked about. Mm. And I would go into the doctor's office and, you know, I, even at one point, I went in and had my blood work done because I wanted to prove a doctor wrong because I was going around with her and she's like, your cholesterol is high. And I'm like, okay, but did you look at the triglycerides and the LDL and all? That? Did you look at all the numbers? And so then I went in and had all my blood work done and I ended up coming back. Everything was fine you know, I walked in there and I'm like, you just stick to what you're doing and I'll keep studying my stuff, you know? And so I, I have been in that. And you're right about that because there are a lot of them that are still stuck in these same protocols and they don't, it's like they, 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 it's like one size fits all. Like it doesn't, We you know, it doesn't do that with everybody, right? Not everybody fits in a box and what may work for one person doesn't necessarily work for the next person. Right?
1: So a, a great example, I got contacted probably around that time, probably around 2017, maybe right around there. Um, uh, a reporter from WFAA wanted to see if she could interview me on the ketogenic diet. Mm. And so I just I just discussed it and just talked about how the health benefits for it and everything. And then she called me like a week later. And she goes, this is really funny. I interviewed a cardiologist mm. about something else, the heart attacks or something like that. And uh, she said, by the way, I interviewed Dr. Brown on the ketogenic diet. What are your thoughts? This is off camera. Okay. And he goes, he goes, that's all bullshit. And she goes... It's bullshit, but he had a large monster and a basically like a Mars bar on his desk. So he's he's doing this Mm -hmm. and saying that what I'm talking about is BS. Can we say you're fine? You're fine. Yes,
0: you got to ask that. No, it's
1: fine. It's totally fine. It's
0: good. Yeah,
1: it's okay. You should have a list of words I can't say. No,
0: it's okay. You're You're good. It's good. It would would be the first time that somebody said that on here.
1: <laughs> but it was BS. Yes, cause, yes. Cause he's on, eating
0: the monster in the market.
1: You're gonna, you're gonna I mean, yeah. high fructose corn syrup and yeah, everything exactly. else that's there, and you're saying that ketogenic is BS. Yeah, I mean
2: exactly. that's
1: that's where we run into this issue. And yeah, I, I would say that if this closed-mindedness, and I've run into that with with different types of doctors, ketogenic is phenomenal for helping with cancer, mm-hmm. for instance. Mm-hmm. And when I've had fasting, yeah. you know, if you want to yeah. look at like prolong has some good data on this and everything about fasting. And when I talk to the oncologist, no, 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 no. We need to feed people. They're already sick. They're emaciated. They need to be fed. I'm like, okay.
0: Yeah. We're just feeding the cancer. Yeah. With the sugar. (laughs) I know. There's a lot. Like, there's a lot of stuff out there. That's why I tell people. I've had friends that have gotten cancer and I want so bad to be like, just go look this up. Just go do your research on it. You know, like, just don't be so, but they do, they go to their doctors and that's what their doctors are telling them to do. And, you know, it's, I mean.
1: I had a urologist come and see me because he was being treated for cancer and he couldn't work for like a week after his first chemo. He found me or saw the podcast or something, then made an appointment. And I said, well, let's do this. Let's lead you up to this. Let's do a fasting mimicking diet leading up to it. We'd love to get your feedback on it. And then he did the rest of his chemo with a five-day fast. And all I said was, look, if you think about it, cancers are fast growing. That's the one thing. They're fast growing. And our cells, when they get put under a hermetic state or stress, like fasting, Mm -hmm. they'll retreat. As Walter Longo discusses it, you can imagine that if you have cancer, it is this saber tooth tiger running towards a village. All the villagers go into a cave and the really sick and really weak and old cells are kind of told, hey, you're not, you're not cutting it. Why don't you lay over there and just yeah. go on to your next phase, which is called apoptosis. Yeah. And then the saber-toothed tiger runs down. And if you give chemo, all these other cells are hiding in a cave because they're in a state of rest. Yeah. Cancer never goes into that. Mm-hmm. So the cancer gobbles it up, has a higher chance of dying, less chance of harming the individual. If you throw a bunch of sugar, then everybody wakes back up, runs out of the cave, and yeah. everybody gets exposed to the chemo. Yeah. That was the way that it was described. Uh, when, that, when, I, when I explained it like that to him, he's like, well, I'm totally going to do that. And he had no issues after that. He's like, oh, perfect. yeah, Totally. It was cured. Yeah. Had no problems with chemo. So all these things make physiologic sense. If, there's, if, there's, if it can make sense and it's plausible, but yeah. it's worth looking into. I agree. Instead of just shutting down and being like, yeah, there's no science or whatever.
0: I agree. I agree with you on that. I know there's so much on that. They did it. Well, and I read at one point they did a study with these rats that they had given them like a sugar drip and then like, I think it was a cocaine drip and the, the rats actually went to the sugar over. Oh, really? Yeah. did it Like it's addictive and people don't really understand. I mean. You know, is ketogenic for everybody? I don't know. I mean, I did it. I still do low carb. I try to. I'm not perfect at it. I don't necess- I don't necessarily. There's some days I do keto without even trying. So
1: really, yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean,
0: because I just I try to stay low carb. I just feel better when I do. I have less issues.
1: Yeah, I'm this. I try to stay low carb, but it's yeah. not. It's you know, yeah. it's, it's not. It's a, not like, a real conscious thing. Yeah, it it's not. Like it just kind of happening. Exactly.
0: You you train. I think you get to a point eventually if you've done it long enough. Like I've done it. I know what I can eat. What I'm not. And I just know I feel better
2: when I don't eat a bunch of junk. That's just in the
1: story. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the rat study that everybody always brings up. The rat study where they, they took a rat, put them in a cage, and they gave them cocaine or food. And the rat would do cocaine until it died. And
0: then maybe it was that. It was, well, no, no, that was a that different one. Difference. Yeah, was, yeah was that, that was, different was a different one. Yeah. I've
1: seen the one with sugar. Yeah, this just was a different. sugar one. But here's what's really fascinating about that. Somebody said that is BS. Um, I really doubt that somebody would cocaine themselves to the point where they won't eat any food. Yeah. Then they said, well, let's do the exact same experiment, except let's put them in a bigger cage, put more rats in there, and let them have fun. They hardly ever touch the cocaine which showed socialization in a happy life. Yeah. Is.
0: They didn't need that. They didn't <laughs> <eat> the need <cocaine. laughs> Yeah. I know. The one I do was about the sugar. I've, I've researched so much of this stuff about like, coconut oil and the cows. And like they give the cows the, the coconut oil thinking they're going to get fatter and they actually get thinner taking the coconut oil. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of interesting stuff. Out
1: there.
2: I haven't heard that one.
1: I had a researcher um, who's a PhD at UTD and her research is in addiction medicine.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And, it was really funny because she just said it matter of fact, and I just could not get over this one thing. She's like, "Yeah, I do. I research. I research cocaine on rats." And I was like, "Huh?" She goes, "Yeah, we get them addicted, then I try to get them off." And I was like, "Yeah, how do you teach them to do the coke?" Right. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, what do you do? Do you do you wear a little suit and you have to like snort it? And, yeah. Like, like, <laughs> how
2: do
0: you teach a rat to do?
1: Did she, she tell you? Oh, she just thought that I was like just the stupidest person ever asked. Oh, that well, I probably
0: would have asked the same thing. I'd be like, you just show me how they, I want to know how they do it. I'm curious. I
1: didn't know if they had like a little scenario and then they had, yeah. you know, like a little slum area where no. they, you know, there'd That's be interesting, this interesting. whole thing.
0: This is good. All right, well, I want to I pull this back around on the entrepreneur because you've talked about a lot of really good stuff today. I want to know like what you've learned in this journey being an entrepreneur. You said a lot of really good things, but you get mm-hmm. specific that comes to mind that, you're like, it's
1: like my big takeaway. So Be even more curious than I was. I'm constantly curious now because it seems like if you're not paying attention, if you're not being open-minded, something's going to pass by.
2: Yeah.
1: Just, I'm, I'm, I'm more humble and curious than I am Eight years into it than I was back yeah. then. Then I was naive and was just jumping off docks.
2: Yeah, you're dying. I yeah.
1: think
0: Jordan Peterson said. You follow Jordan Peterson? No. Okay. Well, I, follow,
2: I know who he is though.
0: Yeah, I follow a lot of stuff, and he talks about how, like, when you get so like laser focused on a path, like where you, because we always talk about that, like put your blinders on, stay focused, you know, completely on what you're trying to do. And he says you miss the opportunities. So that are around, you, right? Like you miss these opportunities. So I always feel like that. Yeah, we have to be growth minded. We have to be open to what's out there because, like, I always kind of use this like this. I don't know what you call it, but I would say when you just decide that you're not going to grow anymore, it's like you put yourself in this box and then you just put a lid on
2: it, and that's it. Like,
1: who was it that wrote the book? I didn't read it. I saw him on a podcast. In a world of specialists, the generalist will win. And it was basically that when you learn a lot of other things. Yeah. If you continue to learn your brain if you're open to it will make the connections you'll see that there's a cow mm-hmm. in Nebraska that's going to help you make a drug over here or make make a nutraceutical over here yeah. and if you're not open to stuff you'll never make these connections right. because that linear path keeps you so narrow minded mm-hmm. it's a super super specialist mm-hmm. the whole part was discussing how when people study many things yeah they can sometimes come in into a company and start piecing things together in a more unique way.
0: I like networking like that, too. I feel like, you know, like I when I used to train my team, I would always say, you know, if you felt stuck, you needed to talk to somebody. Because that person may lead you to another idea, to another person. And so I feel like when you network, not only do you get great ideas about what you're trying to do, right? But also, you piece things. Like you may learn something from somebody over here. And maybe you are the conduit that that person needs to meet over here, or maybe they bring you to another idea or or to another person that you need to meet, you know? So I feel it's the same way, but I think it all goes back to this whole idea of growth mindset. And I don't know, you know, like I I think I shared with you that I finished, I I don't know if when I saw you last, if I was finished building my program, I finished building at the end of April. I'm doing the edits right now on the recording. Reporting is the easy part. The edits are killing me right now. But one of the things I talk about in there is where Tony Robbins talks about, you know, like the six human needs, which is based off of Maslow's hierarchy
2: of needs. Yeah. With
0: that. I would say my Maslow's hierarchy of needs are not being met right now because I'm hungry or tired, right? <laughs> Anyways, in there, they talk about like growth and contribution being like how you feel fulfilled as a human being, right? And so that growth, I think, has to be really high on our, our scale.
1: So let me ask you. At this stage of your entrepreneurial career, what is your purpose? That's my purpose. I like to inspire.
0: I like to I like my whole thing is how can I help people be healthy? Like, but it's in all areas. So like I always say, you know, like my show, for instance, you know, I always talk about like these four domains that we have in our life, which really center around like our careers, our relationships, our health, and then our, our time and money, freedom. But My focus is always you got to get your health and well being right. When you get that one right, all the other things flow more freely. So, everything I do, whether it be my program or my coaching, my podcast, is all about how can I bring people in that can add value to those quadrants. But a lot of it is centered around that health and well being. Yeah. So, because I I just think when you're not healthy, it's not even just about your physical body. We know right now, you've already talked about the gut health, all of that, it's all connected. When we're not emotionally right, you know, I had I had an energy healer come on just a couple of weeks ago. She was talking about how like when we have past trauma, how it manifests into our health, like it will turn up in our liver and stuff. And so I'm over here thinking, okay, maybe that's why my sphincter's all messed up because my liver's holding on to past oh. trauma. You know, yeah. she's talking about all that. So I just I try to find people that can really add value in all these areas and how do they make us just healthy? You know, as entrepreneurs.
2: It starts all
1: up here. Well, then now the curveball, when we talk about trauma, we do know that. So the the next phase of what we're working on right now is everything's about the microbiome. You hear that buzzword all the time, microbiome, microbiome. But I actually, I gave a talk on how to keep your microbiome young so you'll stay young. What we do know is that those octogenarians, super octogenarians Mm -hmm. that make it past 95 years old, tend to have a microbiome similar to somebody that is much, much younger. So the question is, chicken or the egg? Did they make it there because of the microbiome? Or was it true true, and unrelated? But what we do know is that the microbiome now plays a huge role. So as we're moving forward, you cannot get full or you cannot experience the full benefit of like a healthy diet if you don't have the proper microbial diversity. Gotcha. So as we say this, this is yeah. what's fascinating. We're now learning that stress can affect your microbial diversity take it a step further, generational stress can do it. So if you've got a mom that went through very stressful thing, it can affect the children that then can affect. So mm-hmm. you can yes. see where you can have lots of chronic disease develop in a family due to a sharing of the microbiome. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting because this, this comes down to everything's the, the metabolites. So if you eat vegetables, you may not be getting full benefit because you need the microbiomes to break right. down the polyphenols in. When you do that, then those can go around and work as anti-inflammatories for your body. So trauma. Yeah. She's exactly right. Any way yeah. you want to put it, going to put it in scientific terms over here, if you want to discuss that, it, it's an energy. It is all energy, right. one way or the other.
0: Yeah. When it gets back to what we were saying, not every everything works for the same people, right? Like everybody's different, and
2: finding what works for each person so it's
1: important. And then you going through what you went through and coming out of it. Yeah. You, I mean that that's helped you to do all of this. Mm-hmm yeah without that would you have pursued any of these other things No, no, no. i think you all have that
0: a little bit of sometimes have to have a little bit of you know stuff to make inspire you to
1: do something right you have to be able to compare it i mean yeah you can if you haven't had any pain or sorrow then you don't really right understand when you're happy or the amount that you have i think there is the khalil gibran the prophet yeah remember, remember that yeah they discuss or he discusses in a poem that the amount of happiness you can have is is what you fill up with the furrow that's been dug through sorrow or some yeah. more eloquent way to say that. Yeah. But when you have when you struggle with something and then come out of it, then you can look back and now you're that much happier. Right,
2: right. Yeah, very good. All right. Well awesome.
0: I have one last question I want to ask you and then we'll has been good. Thank you. It's been awesome. Any advice you would give just, to anybody? Should we
1: call it the ADD podcast? Instead? No, it's
0: all good. <laughs> Sometimes it just rolls like that. You know, like they're always good. That's what I love about this show. We just, yeah. I, you know, it's never scripted. I just let it flow. I never know what's going to go and we just let it roll. So Wait, that's good.
1: We're, we're going to close it. Let me find out how to close this. I have one more question
0: before we, before we learn how to close this show. Any advice that you would offer to any Buddy that's starting out like they're going after something maybe they want to create a new product i don't know they're starting out Anything you
1: think you would offer them um the biggest thing that i had to do was continue to be open and not worry so much that somebody was going to take it i mean because you have this yeah you have this i have this it's mine 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 attitude right, i have right. this idea but i couldn't do anything until i started talking to and more people yeah. So talking to people that have done this, joining an entrepreneur group and having breaking bread with them and hearing and having people say, "No, it's it's okay, do this, speak with this guy, go over and talk to that guy, he'll help you do that. My problem in the beginning was so scared that it was going to be taken from me Mm. because I'd worked so hard to that point that I tried to do everything and try to keep it in a tight little circle. When, if it's a good idea and it needs to get out there, and the chances are somebody's not going to be able to actually do better than you with your own idea because it's your thing. So be okay with talking to other people, It's other entrepreneurs, good. listen to a podcast like this yeah. and learn. Yeah.
0: No, I think it's good. It's good. I do think we do that as entrepreneurs. We get afraid somebody's going to take our stuff. But I think, you know, I had a guy come on one time and he was talking about differentiation. So I think, you know. Our job is to just be ourselves, like as be yourself and figure out where you stand out. Obviously, you've got something that nobody else has, right? Who's got this right now? And I think that's what we have to strive to do is just find a way to be unique in our space, like not competing with other people just in our
2: space, you know? And so we did
1: that. I think we're gonna to have to do that even more and more yeah. as AI comes around.
2: Oh, yeah. Being
1: an individual and showing your creativity right. is gonna differentiate. And, yeah, and all these different things. Cause everybody's worried about that.
0: But yeah. Without... Are, you, are, you just, are you starting to mess with, like get into the chat GPT and all that? Or are you using it
1: off the record? <laughs> I get, I get asked to do a lot of writing. Oh, do you? I murder chat GPT. Are you kidding? Got, yeah. like... I
0: think it's like, I, think, I was telling someone, I think it's sort of like clip notes. It like, is. When we were young, like I hate to so We Gotta get the clip notes, right? I love chat GPT. It's great for
2: podcast stuff.
1: Well, it's interesting. Cause like my son who's 18 in, in college, uh, you know we talked about it he goes it's just it, it gets rid of some of the busy ones. yeah then you get to do this and him and i talked about it. he said i think it's going to make everybody more creative yeah. you're not worried about the time-consuming thing over here and you still have to know your subject right because it will go off the rails sometimes oh, yeah.
2: and you're like whoa that's how you do stupid stuff like you're like
0: what i wasn't asking that well, you gotta be
1: good about asking the question yeah so i so i use it exactly like that it's yeah. always just kind of starting off point where instead of Going to 20 different Google pages. You just have one. Yeah. Ask the question.
0: You know, you know, it'll write. You want to know about a three-page story about a pig. It'll do it for you. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. You just got to be specific on what you want it to do. This has been awesome. I do want to ask you a couple of fun questions. Yeah. These All are right. like totally like not serious. They're just rapid fire. They're supposed to be rapid fire. They never are. Okay. So just fun. Fun questions. Okay. I want to know what is your one guilty pleasure food? Like the one junky thing you like? Oh, I have to ask this because he's a gastroenterologist. So I got
1: to ask this question. Well, and it's something that I've just recently gone. Oh my gosh, this is like a this is a guilty pleasure. Asian food, Thai food, Chinese food, Korean food. Here's why it is. <laughs> I made the mistake of wearing a Dexcom 24-hour uh, glucose monitor. Okay. And you
0: found out there's sugar. should try
1: it sometime. As long it long turns sugar. out, they hide a ton of sugar in there. That's sauces. why it tastes so good. The sauces. Yeah, it's the sauces. So that's become that is a guilty pleasure. It's like if your family wants to go, but we were, we would just go on the regular. It's like, yeah. oh yeah, it's it's my, fresh. It's my kids whatever.
0: like Because yeah. I got two kids that don't like to eat meat. Imagine that. They don't like to eat meat. So we have to do Thai food because then everybody can get something at the taekw. Yeah. They can get their tofu or
2: whatever and we can get our meat food.
1: Yeah. I'm not much of a sweet tooth. I try to get my uh my I guess my sugar tends to find its way in a liquid form occasionally. Yeah. Wine.
0: Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do blueberries and I have some some stuff out Okay. Um Book favorite book that you read something that you feel
1: like stands out. These are not rapid fire. These are full on discussion. I know they are. I, they are. I told you they're not
0: always rapid fire. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lie. There's a caveat to this. It may not be rapid fire.
1: Favorite book that I read recently: Simon Sinek's Start with why because we one. rebuilt our yes. company based on that philosophy. Okay. And Mark, the person that's uh, currently in charge of the company, Mike and got the book for all the employees. We all read it. We had a full eight hour session. Where we did that. So, favorite book recently regarding yeah, uh, my favorite book in the last five years or so for health reasons, James Nestor, Breath. I
2: don't know that one.
1: Phenomenal, because he's one of those in uh, immersive journalists. Yeah, and so it's just all about this, and you just forget you have the power to control your parasympathetic, your sympathetic. You have the power through proper breath work. Mm -hmm. And so super, that just made me super into this. And it's very, it makes total sense. He does such a great job of that. So that is like, get back to breath. Um, And the Navy SEALs are trained in this kind of thing. Like other like really high stressful things. Um, I'm trying to go back here. And then before that, so I'm just, I'm thinking of eras in my life. Um intoxicated by my illness by Anatoly Buryard mm. while I was in medical school, that was an example that is a... Have you ever heard of it? I uh, Yeah, I
2: haven't read it, but I've heard of it. It's a yeah. posthumous
1: collection of poems and writings that he wrote that his wife okay. found after he died of metastatic prostate mm. cancer. And so she was able to see that. this and it was intoxicated by my illness in the sense that he judged the doctors. He would go to his clinic visits and be like, smug doctor so kind of like i do yeah. <laughs> so a a a professor gave yeah. me the book and it made a huge difference mm-hmm. it, it makes you realize you're like whoa yeah. yeah that could so that was that and then
0: this is good get list. well i'm just
1: thinking of yeah. eras of my life
0: yeah this and is then... how i get my book list Start all the books that you
2: guys talk about
1: yeah and then it just seems like about every couple of years somehow victor Frankl a uh, man's search for me pops up in one way or another exactly. just because mm-hmm. you just realize and the reason why is anytime there's a question of hope yeah that book comes to mind and we just come through this pandemic era where there's been a lot of lack of hope yeah and you just realize that you have to have hope yeah no matter what it's right. going on you right. have to have hope right
0: those are good I feel like my my one book that I always talk about is Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of the Highly Effective. That's what oh. I always come back to. I think there's just some. I think kids should read that book. Like that should be like a
2: recommended book that they read before they
0: graduate. It's just a good, a good book about. There's a lot. You have to check
2: it
1: out. You know, time. you should like one of it. You should do like eight habits of highly mm. effective people.
2: Eight habits. Kind of like the
1: four minute abs instead of six minute abs. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's good.
0: All right. One last question I want to ask you because I know you're going to Portugal,
2: right? Yes. Okay. Where's your favorite destination spot? You haven't been in Portugal yet. I've not,
1: but Portugal okay. looks like it's it's going to be right yeah, up there. Yeah, it looks like I'm, fun. I'm pretty excited. Um, well, not too far away is Mallorca, Spain. It's mm-hmm. an island off of Spain. Yeah. It's, it's stunning, gorgeous, beautiful, great food. I have a client. Where, Which is why I think Portugal is going to be yeah. similar.
0: So I have a client that I work with. She is in Spain now. She's originally from Russia. I've been working with her since like the pandemic. Like She's by the beach every time I talk to her. I'm like, I'm, she's like sending me pictures. And I'm like, why are we doing this? Why are you not at the beach right now? Like, she just lives this life, you know? She's a great girl. So fun stuff. Well, anyways, I'm excited for you. That's going to be fun. You're going to have a great
2: time in Portugal. Yeah, I'm I just, jealous. I
1: just, <laughs> my family has not helped me with the vacation at all. I just woke up and just said, we're going to Portugal and just started booking. Awesome. Hotels in various cities.
2: I think we need a hitchhike. <laughs> <laughs> get your get in the suitcase to go to
1: that. Well, it summed it up. I have a, I was, my, my kids play tennis.
2: Yeah. Okay. it Socks. Yep.
1: Um, and it, I was at a tennis tournament and I was talking to somebody, um, who is, I can't remember the country they're from, but anyways. And I said, I'm, I just snapped and I started booking trips. I, I hope it's fun. He looks at me goes, it's a laid back country on the coast with good food.
2: Yeah. You Let's almost
1: go. go. Like, you can't not have fun.
0: Right. I'm like, yeah, Yeah.
1: right. I'm going to do
0: that. Sounds fun. Amazing. All right. Well, this has been amazing. I'm so excited you get to come on here today and talk with us. If our audience wants to connect with you, they want to learn more about it, what you're doing, the podcast, where do we
1: want to send them? Um, Hashtag is Gut Check Project, Gut Check Project, at Gut Check Project. We do have uh, locals, uh, which is where we're really going to build our community. So that's gutcheckproject.locals.com. Are you you familiar with Locals? I don't
2: don't know that I've been familiar with Locals.
1: This is kind of exciting because we're getting into a lot of topics we really just can't put on YouTube. Right, right. And so as we cover these kind of what we would just consider the ability to say what we want to say and do things we want to do, this allows people to, instead of doing a Patreon, it allows them to actually be part of the community so you can interact with them nominal yeah. fee. Five five dollars a month, but we give them a ten dollar coupon to the, to our store. Okay. The stores at KBE like Ken Brown MD Okay. I have a SIBO box that we're launching. It's really oh. cool. Yeah. It's a combination of different things for SIBO that I don't think has ever been done before. It's very so, exciting. So,
0: okay. Well we'll make sure when this goes out we'll get all the links and the hashtags where yeah. it has to get in there so they know where to find it I know where to find it so we'll make sure it gets in there. All right, well, this has been amazing. Thank you so very much for coming on here and sharing with us. And it's great, I got to talk to you out of the office, not like in, you know, office setting. We're talking about not so fun stuff, right? All the astrology stuff. So, anyway, it's been fun. Do you want to say to our audience, of course, if you enjoy our show, please go check us out on Apple. Give us a rating over there. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. And as I always say, in order to to live the extraordinary, you must start, and every start begins with a decision. You guys take care be safe be kind to one another we will see you next time